a stressful week. Um, I'm the kind of guy that touches technology and it breaks, all right? Like, I have managed to somehow freeze a MacBook Pro twice, which my brother-in-law says is impossible, but I managed to do it. Um, I'm also the kind of guy that over-prepares and it's never good enough, and I always look back like, man, I, I should have said this or added this. I could have done this differently, and, and everyone is always, oh, you know, it went fine, and I'm like, no, no, it didn't, and so this morning, I'm going to trust that God. Something happened. Hey, there we are. All right. Watch that. All right. And there you go. You see it. <laughs> I'm not making it up. I touch it and it breaks. All right. All right. <clears throat> so, welcome to my life. All right. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to go to Ephesians 4. All right. We've been going through this series uh, for a while now. It's called To the Saints. All right. And um, Ephesians is a great book. If you're not reading it, you should be. Um, and we're in chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 17 through 24 today. So if you've got a Bible, go there. Uh, if you don't have a physical Bible with you, there should be one somewhere near you in the seat in front of you. Um, and you can also cheat and use your Bible app. That's okay. We'll allow that. Um, i got to start off with some bad news for you this morning. All right? We have a problem. You have a problem. It's you. You're the problem, right? It's bad news, all right? Uh, we're going to start uh, looking at verse 17. Uh, Paul writes, I says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. All right, now what is Paul talking about when he says walking? When he says no longer walk, what's he, what's he saying? He's talking about Daily conduct, right? Your everyday odds and ends, ins and out. Um, both what is seen and unseen, what is public and what is private. And Paul says that that way you're walking, it's got to go, right? The old self has to go because there is a high calling when it comes to those who are in Christ. Right? We are part of the body of Christ. We are his ambassadors. We are God's chosen people. We are God's representatives on earth. We are called to live and look differently than the world does, right? We are the saints, right? A saint is someone who has been sanctified, right? And that's how this letter starts. If you go back to the first chapter, which is the main theme and title of our series, to the saints, right? Um, you have to know that. You have to know who you are, right? If you know who you are, you know what you're supposed to be doing. 
And apart from Christ, you'll never truly be who you were meant to be. There is a constant theme in the Bible that we are all rebels. Uh, we are all going our own way. Uh, Isaiah 53, 6 says, like uh, sheep, we've all gone astray, going our own way. Um, you can also read this story about a prophet named Jonah who tried to go his own way, and it didn't quite work out so well for him. Um, but we all are walking our own path. We are walking away from holiness. We're walking away from righteousness. We're walking away from obedience. We're walking away from life and away from Jesus. And we're walking towards judgment and death. We have a wicked heart from the very start. We are the problem. So because we're the problem, we can't be the solution. Right? Like two wrongs don't make a right. And when he says Gentiles, right, that's a reference to people who are not God's people, right? Pre-Christ, right? In the Bible, it means those who are not God's people. We are the problem. Paul says, we once walked as Gentiles do. We didn't know God. We weren't pursuing God. We weren't trying to please God. We weren't trying to walk in obedience to God. We're the problem. And then he also says, um, in the fertility of their minds, right? Those who are not God's people have a futile mind. You say, well, that's offensive. Yeah, I know. The Bible's an offensive book, all right? A mind apart from Christ is totally, completely futile, all right? A, mind, a futile mind minimizes sin. It doesn't see a problem with sin, right? Oh, this isn't a big deal. Everyone does it. A futile mind is gullible and aligns itself with anything outside of Christ because it does not agree with Christ. This is one of our many, many issues. And apart from Christ, we seek after futile things. We read books from authors whose minds are futile. We listen to TV hosts and podcasts whose minds are futile. And we listen to music artists whose minds are futile. We agree and support with politicians, celebrities, and scientists whose minds are futile. So you need to be careful, extremely careful, who you take advice from, who you let speak into your life, what you're listening to, what you're taking in. Right? Jesus said, I am the truth. And in verse 21, we're going to read later on, it says, the truth is in Jesus. So anything apart from Jesus is not completely in line with the truth because he is the truth, right? Um, <clears throat> it results in total fertility. And a futile mind is in, intellectually unproductive. It can't rightly comprehend what is holy and good. And that, this is where kind of the lines of morality start to get blurred for people. And we start to kind of, kind of compromise, a futile mind's reasoning and rational processes are distorted at best, right? And it affects everything. It affects your moral living, and if you're not walking with Christ, it will affect your obedience to him. And it is impossible to be obedient to Christ with a futile mind because you can't grasp what God's trying to show you, right? In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? What does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind, right? That's the greatest commandment, right? It goes on in verse 18. It says, they are darkened in their understanding, right? A futile mind is darkened. How, 
How well can you see in the dark? Not good. Not without a flashlight or night vision, right? Can't see where you're going. A darkened understanding leads to an entirely false view of reality. Now, I'm going to nerd out for a second. Who here has ever seen Star Wars? Right. Well, someone's fired up. That's good. All right. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but Star Wars is a movie, and Star Wars is about Anakin Skywalker. All right. Um, Anakin Skywalker was supposed to be this hero, the chosen one. All right. But his mind became darkened. All right. He was. His view of reality got blurred, and he justified a lot of evil because he had a distorted view of his reality, because his mind was darkened. And of course, spoiler alert, he becomes Darth Vader. Sorry, if you've never seen it, right? Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. But if, if we're not careful, the same thing can happen to us. Right? We won't become Darth Vader, but our, our minds will be... I know, shoot, right? We just, right? Our minds can become darkened, right? Our understanding of the world and our view of reality can get darkened and twisted, right? Um, if we walk away from Jesus and don't see God's word, we won't be able to see clearly where we're going. We, we won't be able to see the world as we're supposed to. And we run the danger of justifying all sorts of sin and evil because we can't see what is good and true while we're in the darkness, right? The Bible says we put ourselves there and we, as it says in verse 18, alienate ourselves from God. We're separated, right? That's what it means to be alienated, is separated from, right? And unless someone shines a light so we can see where to go, we're stuck there, right? We even grow to kind of like the darkness. We grow accustomed to it. So our darkened mind leads to a heart that longs for darkness, you ever been there? You ever felt stuck in sin and you can't get out? Because see, eventually if you remain in and practice sin long enough, you start to like sin more than you like Jesus. And your heart will be hardened to God. Your hearts grow hard, right? This is because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. A hardened heart is stubborn. No one is stubborn here, right? Especially us men folk, right, wives? No one, we're not stubborn, right? A hardened heart is stubborn. It refuses to change, right? Continual rejection of the gospel will lead to a hardened heart. And sometimes God will harden your heart, right? The Bible speaks a lot about reaping what we sow, and, and God will say, all right, that's the way you want it. That's the way you're going to get. We can go all the way back to Exodus in chapter 7, uh, where God heartened Pharaoh's heart. You guys remember that story? Right? Pharaoh continually rejected the warnings and plea of God, right? He used Moses to speak on his behalf, saying, Let my people go. And Pharaoh continually said, No, 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 no. And sometimes God's speaking to you, to some of you guys here, and you keep saying, No, 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 no. Right? A hardened heart will not accept rebuke, right? A hardened heart is never wrong, right? It's always the victim. It's not my fault. It's their fault, right? We make ways to justify sin, and a hardened heart says, I'm not the problem. The problem's here. 
God, we need to talk about this book you wrote because I found a few errors and we need to make a few adjustments. Right? That's a hardened heart. That's what a hardened heart does. And we continually reject the gospel and when we do that, we end up pursuing false saviors. Right? Um, that's why people get spiritual and religious and they, can, they don't come to Jesus, right? It's because... This leads to ignorance, we, it, ignorance to the truth, ignorance to Jesus. So we start pursuing false saviors, right? We, we look around for someone who's spiritual, who can guide us, you know, like, oh, look, this guy, look, he's in a diaper, he's in the yoga position, he's drinking tea, right? He seems smart, he's surrounded by smoke, he looks like he's having fun. I'll follow his advice, right? If you continually reject the gospel, the Bible says that, you become callous, right? And verse 19 says, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. All right, um, ask anyone who plays guitar or works with their hands for a living what calluses are, what that means, right? <clears throat> um, callousness is when an area of the skin, after repeated applied pressure, builds up a layer of skin to where what used to hurt no longer hurts. Right? And this is what happens when we continually reject Christ and remain heart-hearted. Right? Our heart becomes callous to the gospel, to where when God starts speaking to us, it just doesn't get through because we built up that layer. And we don't feel it anymore. And it says that we give ourselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And this is why people harm themselves. This is why people try to self Medicaid, right? This is why the cities of Nashua and Manchester have one of the nation's, nation's largest heroin problems, right? It's an epidemic going on right now because people feel the effects of a fallen world. Instead of turning to the Lord, they turn to false saviors and they turn to the desires of the flesh to numb the pain. Drugs, alcohol, sex, crime, every kind of impurity. And at least to addiction. Right? Gambling addictions, drug addictions, pornography addictions. You want to hear a really sad statistic? Each year, America spends more money on pornography than the combined salaries of professional football, baseball, and basketball combined. That's every player, every coach, every staff member, every owner combined. America spends more money on pornography each year than on foreign aid, right? Like if you took the money that Americans spent on pornography each year, you could use that to end world hunger overnight. We have a problem, right? We have a problem. And people say that we don't need God to be good. No, you need God to be redeemed. You need God to be saved. Because the Bible says that you are totally and hopelessly depraved. Like we just read that our minds are futile, our understanding of reality and morality is darkened. We have alienated ourselves from God because of our own ignorance. Our hearts are hardened. We are callous to the gospel. We have given ourselves to the pursuit of sensuality, and we are greedy for every kind of impurity. That's the bad news, right? We are the problem. That's the bad news. But 
but. Remember when Stephen tells you about these words that you got to pay attention to, like therefore or but, right? It's one of those words. But, right? Verse 20. Here comes the good news. The old you, right, corrupt through and through. You need to be made new. You need to toss that out. You need a new identity, right? You don't need the same old you trying new things to solve the same problems. You must, as the Bible says, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupted and is through deceitful desires, rather. The old you has to die. Put off is, is kind of talking about taking off clothes, right? Removing dirty clothes. There has to be a transformation. That's what it's talking about. Like when I went to basic training to join the army, right? I had kind of bushy hair and I had shorts and hope. And then, and then... And then all of that changed, right? My head was shaven. I was given a uniform and a rifle and combat boots and all kinds of uh, helmet and equipment, right? I was, there was a transformation. I was taken from someone who was a civilian and transformed to someone who was a soldier, right? A transformation has to happen when you join the military, right? This is why we don't let a bunch of flip-flop-wearing hipsters march on the battlefield with Starbucks coffee saying, I'm here to express myself right? It doesn't work. Hollering, tolerance, tolerance at the enemy, right? There has to be a transformation before you can go on the field of battle. There has to be something that changes, right? This is why self-help is of no help, because you need an entirely new identity, right? And there is only one way you can achieve this, right? Acts 4.12, so there's only one name given, by which we can be saved. That's the name of Jesus. So you can try your hardest to change the things you do, but only Jesus can change who you are. You don't need more information, right? You can, you can learn a million ways to self-improve, self-heal, self-medicate. You don't need more information. You need transformation. You need a renewed mind, and only Jesus can give that to you, right? Only when you turn from sin and turn from your wicked desires and repent can you turn to Christ and trust in him for salvation. It begins in the mind, the way you think. If you think that something's okay and God says it's wrong, you need to change your mind about it, right? God doesn't need to change. You need to change. If you change your mind, it will change your activity. It will change the things you do. Remember, your mind is futile without Christ, right? Well, that's offensive. Yeah, again, I know, right? You're not going to find Ephesians 4, 17 through 19 on a Hallmark card, right? That's not in the get well soon section. Like, hey, uh, you're walking as Gentiles do, and you're darkened and understanding and uh, you're greedy for pursuit of all kinds of impurity. Get well soon, right? It's not going to be on there. You need a transformation. And that's the point, because the old you is totally offensive to a holy and righteous God. 
If you find the Bible offensive, you need to remember that the offense is not ours. The, the offense is to God. Our life is offensive to God. Our sin is offensive to a righteous and holy God. Right? Our unwillingness to turn to Christ is offensive to God. And the Bible says that it warrants us the death penalty. Because God is holy and righteous, and he cannot tolerate sin. He has to judge sin. If he didn't judge sin, he wouldn't be God. But God, right? That's Ephesians 2, right? Stephen talked about that. But God, being rich in mercy, he made us alive in Christ, right? And just as God loved his people too much to allow them to remain as slaves in Egypt, God loves you too much to allow you to remain in darkness and in your sin. God wants to rescue you out of the darkness. God wants to enlighten you, and he has made a way for that to happen through his son Jesus. The Bible says that we were once slaves to sin, but now we can be free in Christ. Right? We are we become slaves not to sin, but slaves to righteousness. Because the renewal of our mind and salvation brings not only a renovation of character and a change in behavior, but a total transformation of the old self to the new self. Right? Because we are created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And this is why religion doesn't work. It could never work because there's... Nothing, religion is nothing more than behavior modification, right? Religion doesn't renew you. It just tries to cover up the filth on the inside with a better-looking exterior. See, in religion, you have to do something or try to avoid doing something, right? You have to check all the boxes, right? Wear a hat. Don't wear a hat. Pray facing this way. Don't wear blue jeans. Grow a beard. Shave your beard. Do this. Avoid that. Go here. Don't go there. Be with these kinds of people. Don't associate with those kind of people. Don't eat bacon. Eat bacon. It doesn't work. And now I want some bacon. <laughs> right? It's a lot to do and don't do. It's a lot of work. We need to realize that Jesus has done the work for us. There's nothing we have to do why it's called grace because it's a gift to us right the bible says that we learned christ we don't just come here to study about a dead martyr because jesus is alive now and forevermore tweet that there's your tweet right that's mine that's original i thought of that and there i didn't steal that from anyone i thought of that right and there's that pride coming in right but that's why Jesus can help us, because he's not some dead religious guy that lived a long time ago. He rose again. He can help. He's a living Savior, a living God. Because righteousness and holiness is not something that we can attain by ourselves. Right? We need Christ's righteousness. We need Christ's holiness, and it's given to us as a gift. We get something that we don't deserve. Right? What we do deserve is hell. What we do deserve is an eternity totally separated from God. What we do deserve is God's judgment and wrath. But thank God that we don't get what we deserve because Jesus got what we deserve. That's why it's all about Jesus. 
Right? Jesus doesn't merely give us more information. He gives us transformation. He doesn't give us behavior modification. He gives us a totally new identity. Where we were once dead, the Bible says we are made alive. Where we were once enslaved, we are set free. Where we were once addicted, we are now given new desires. Where we were once weak, we're made strong. Where we were once stumbled around in darkness, we were given the light of Christ. Where we were once blind, we can now see. Where we were once hurting and damaged, we are now healed. Where we were once broken, we are now totally restored. Where we were once condemned, we are now redeemed. Where we were once guilty, we are now innocent. Where we were once hopeless and lost, and completely cut off and separated from God in step Jesus and it changed everything for us. In Christ, the old you no longer exists. That's why if, if you're claiming Christianity but you've never changed, and maybe this morning you need to examine yourself. Do you really know Jesus? Have you really turned from sin and trusted in him to save you or are you just attending church? There's a big difference. So how do we respond to this this morning? How do we, how do we take this this morning? What do we do with this? Well, for some of you, it's decision time. Right? You need to stop playing hokey pokey with God. You know, you're in, then you're out. You're in, and then you're out. It's time to commit. It's time to get your new identity. Right? For others, you need to accept your identity in Christ. Sometimes we can be the hardest on ourselves. Sometimes the person we need to forgive is ourselves. We receive forgiveness, but we feel too guilty to accept it. Right? You need to put on your new self and know who you are in Christ. Know that you are totally forgiven. You can't be more forgiven than totally and completely forgiven, right? And no matter how hard you run away from God, no matter how hard you feel like or how far you feel like your sin has been leading you away from Jesus, the further and further away you walk, if you turn around, he's right there following you the whole time. Because our God's faithful patient, kind, loving, right? You don't need to clean yourself up because in Christ, you're made clean. You don't need to do better or try harder because Jesus has done it for you. You don't need to punish yourself because Jesus was punished for you. Right? Some of you this morning, you need to remember you're not hated, you're loved. You're not broken, you're made whole. You're not dirty. You're made pure in Christ. You're not worthless. You're infinitely valuable. You're not a mistake. You are created with a purpose. You're not hopeless. You are in Christ. You are made new in Christ. And no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, all things are made new in Jesus. Why he says, I am the resurrection and the life. For some of you, you're still dead in your sins and trespasses. Right? The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift, gift, 
given to you by grace. It's God's grace alone. Nothing you can do, nothing you can earn, nothing you can attain by your good works or your religious effort or your moral standard. There's nothing you can do to attain it, right? It says the gift of God is eternal life, and it's through Jesus. And that invitation stands to you this morning. Come to Jesus. Get your new identity. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace, your immeasurable, unimaginable grace. God, that you would look at sinners like us and not feel anger because you put that on Jesus. You see us as people who are in desperate need of saving. And you're a God who pursues us. No matter how hard we try to run away from you, no matter how much sin we're involved in, going the opposite direction, thinking we've gone too far, it's too late for me. God, you're right there. Just like Jonah, when he tried to run away, You pursued him. You were relentless. God, you do the same to us. There's nothing we can do to disqualify ourselves from grace if we are in Christ. Now, for those here this morning that they've never accepted that invitation of grace, that I pray this morning would, would be the day that they accept their new identity The old self doesn't work, and it will never be enough to please you. But Jesus has pleased you. So help us to trust in him for his righteousness, to receive his holiness. Where he took our sin and shame on the cross, was crucified for our sins, died the death that we should have died, received your wrath and judgment that we should have. It was all put on Jesus And Jesus carried it. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. There's nothing more to be done. Oh, God, that we would grasp that this morning. We would see it's by grace alone that we're saved. It's not through religion. It's not through morality. It's not through checking all the boxes. It's through Jesus alone. Pray if there's someone here who doesn't know that, that today would be their day. Pray for brothers and sisters who are in Christ already but are struggling. feel like I've walked away. I feel like I can't come back. God, may they know that they are in Christ. They were bought at the highest price. And that you are pursuing them. And as long as there is a breath in their lungs, you will never write them off. They are never too far where you can't reach because you are God. And you are mighty to save. And you can reach through anything to get to us. God, help us to to grasp this concept of grace and new identity, all possible because of the works of Jesus. 
He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. And he rose again, still alive, still reigning, still ruling, still on the throne right now. He's a God that can save. He's the only Savior there is. May we call on the name of Jesus this morning. Amen. Um, We're going to stand and sing.